Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry of Lake Mount Worship Center, and we are on a mission to connect young adults to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We meet every Monday night at 7 p.m., and we'd love to have you join us. You can find more information on our socials, but in the meantime, we hope you enjoy the message for this week. Okay, so tonight the, the, um, the ground rules of just, just so you understand where we're coming from, okay? So this should be obvious, but we're going to say it, is the foundation for uh, what is going to be some opinion that is opinion or wisdom that's coming from a place of a foundation of faith in Jesus. Lisa and I, this August, will be married for 30 years. <laughs> yeah! So that's pretty cool. So we, um, we love Jesus. We love his word. His word is the foundation for our lives and how we think and where our convictions come from. And so uh, we're, we're going to speak from that place. That is going to be very different than what you might see or hear anywhere other than here. So anticipate that. We're not coming from, from a social media standpoint, from a Netflix standpoint, from just kind of the spirit of the age. And even, you know, beyond that, even some um, approaches to the word of God that change the word of God from what it clearly says and what it clearly means. We're of the mindset that God's word is inspired. It's not man's ideas about God. It's God's revelation of himself. And so his standard is not something that we get to uh, reinterpret based on where we think or feel we are in time and history, but what God said he meant for all time and for all history, for all people. And our conviction is this, not just good Christians just believe the Bible, but what God's word says is actually safety for you. It's, it's wisdom for you that if you will apply yourself to even things that may be difficult or don't come naturally, Following after God's word as a matter of devotion and discipline is going to be fruitful for your life. So just to be clear, that's where we're coming from. Okay? All right. Anything that you would like to add to that, Lisa? Okay. Well, let's go. We've got uh, Matt and Jocelyn are going to be reading some of the questions that you guys have sent in. And if you have any more questions, you could come to the front and whisper them. You could say, I have a friend that was wondering, and that would be a great catch-all. But, yeah, there's some questions there, and we're going to do our best to just rapid-fire some answers. That was a hint to me. No? Did y'all read that? Here we go. Okay, we need this microphone on up over here. Maybe it's not on. <laughs> We're saving oh. batteries. Okay, everybody. Great questions. We loved reading through them. Um, and we're going to start off with this great question. Going back to when you guys were dating. How easy should the dating period be? How do you know if you aren't a good fit for one another? Hmm. 
Okay. Uh, dating should be fairly fun, um, depending on your station and stage in life and things that have surrounded your um, scenarios. So if you're coming through something hard, then dating might not be as fun as it could be. But dating should be a lot of happiness as well as a lot of depth. So if all you do is joy and you never talk deep, you might run into some problems down the road. What was the second part? How easy should it be? How easy should it be? And how do you know if you aren't a good fit for one another? Oh man, you just know. You just know. You just know. There's like a pit of your stomach, like, I really think you're hot, but this isn't working out. <laughs> like, like, family matters, their beliefs matters, how you guys relate matters. You don't need to necessarily like the same things, but if nothing is coinciding, like, just stop. Just stop. When you're, when you're just beginning a relationship, just starting dating... Um, there should be attraction and a desire there. And if you're constantly overcoming things that early in a relationship, just end it. Because really, um, the first part of a relationship once you have, you know, kind of started in is infatuation. And that's basically where you see no flaws. So if you're seeing flaws, just tap God out. can't help. Just tap out. <laughs> is amazing all right the next question is how do you propose to pursue devotional time together both when you're dating and then when you're married all right I would say this I think it's really important that your devotional time is actually something between you and the Lord maybe that's a hot take for some of you but I th I think it's important as a couple, as a married couple, Lisa and I pray together often and regularly, um, but we have individual devotional time. And I'm not saying that's a rule, but I'm saying that I wouldn't want my devotion to the Lord to become a place of codependence. I want to go to the Lord direct and have that, that intimacy, and I want Lisa to have that too. So in, in dating, I would say, uh, and again, this might be a hot take, but in dating, I think you need to go easy on that. Because if you press into that, you can artificially intensify the level of intimacy in your relationship because of your love for Jesus. And so you, you could actually be artificially feeling more bonded because you've gone spiritual and that's hard to undo. So I know the pastor should be saying, pray together all the time and all this. Well, yeah, pray. But like devotion and, and that place of intimacy with God is the most intimate thing about you. And if you bring someone else into that, um, you might give you might give a part of your soul there that would be hard to get back. It's called soul tie. So, just a thought. Okay, now moving through a bit further on in the dating timeline, you know that there's someone you are a good fit with. How do you know when you and your significant other are ready for marriage? And if you do know that, what is a good timeline for that engagement marriage season? Like how long into dating? Yeah, maybe how long into dating? How long should you be engaged okay. for? This is a great question. Because some people wait like five years and I'm like, no, no, no. 
to way too long. Uh, but anything before like six weeks? <laughs> nope. Okay. Six months is actually the stage of infatuation where your brain will not tell you they have massive flaws. Okay. The little things that they do that become really irritating later are super cute right then. And you're like, oh, this is nice. You make, uh, I don't know, not excuses, but you give room for the flaws before six months, okay? After that, you are into an exploring phase. So that's where like family matters, their personal life matters, character matters, how you communicate matters. If you've never had a fight, don't get engaged yet. Like you need to know how conflict and resolution works. There's a whole lot of life that needs to happen in your dating scenario for you to be like, okay, this, this works. You also don't need five years to do that. That is pathetic. I'm just saying, you don't need five years. I'm getting, I'm just getting honest. You are leading yourself into temptation. Okay? You're leading yourself into temptation. And you're also creating a whole lot of hopes and dreams with someone with no promise attached to it. And that's just not appropriate. You're stringing someone along with a hope of what? the future that you will not commit to. So go to counseling, get your commitment issues done, or get a job and make good on it. Yeah. This is not, this is not the junior high dating conversation. So you're young adults, like if you're, yes. if you're young adult and you're dating for more than a year and you haven't thought about that yet, you're wasting the other person's time. So co-signed to what Lisa said. And then engagement time, I would say if you're near each other, like try to do under a year, three to six months is ideal. Like be, because like. That's because he didn't have to plan anything. <laughs> I got my suit. <laughs> well, I think COVID killed the idea that every girl needs to be a princess once in her life. And I think you could actually just kind of move things along quicker. So anyway, that's, that's just a thought. Great. Um, I've got a follow-up question from that, a little off script. Um, so let's say there's someone in the room or a few couples in the room. Maybe they started dating in grade nine. Okay, they've been dating. Now they're in first year university. They're already at their five years, uh, but they're both in school. They're not going to be out for another four years. They uh, maybe don't even have cars to get around and stuff. Should they break up or should they just get married and trust that something good? I think, I think you should seriously consider, here's the thought that went through my mind. Because Lisa and I got engaged when we were 19. We got married when we were 20. So the thought that went through my mind, okay, the thought that went through my mind is I could live with a bunch of stinky guys and figure out how to pay bills and cook my own food. Or I could do that with Lisa, right? Like bottom line is you're... <laughs> What? Cook food and not just that. There's other reasons. But the, the point is you're going to have to make a go of it in life anyways. You're going to have to pay bills. That's not going to stop because you paid off college. Now, now we're debt free or whatever. It's a bit of an illusion there. So I, th I think you're going to have to figure out how to make a go in life anyway. So why not make a go together? If you've been together that long and you know that's the one, the only thing you're waiting for is probably some imaginary line of 
financial breakthrough that is likely not coming. So just figure it out. At that stage, though, you spent formational years together, so good to internally check, is this familiarity or is this a lifelong thing that I want to spend together? Because grade 9 to grade 12, you change and form so much. So are you just somebody that is my best friend that I'm used to, or do I need to make a change like you're not the one that I'm passionate and I want to make a future with? Because there could be some subconscious delay there as well. So check it out. It feels like everyone at church is either in a relationship or married. How do you become with how do you become content with potentially being single for the rest of your life? Okay. So, I would say Okay. I would say first of all, is there anyone here that wants to be single for the rest of your life? Let's just show hands. One hand. Okay, and that's okay. There is a call to singleness. The vast majority in this room, other than one person, wants to be married. So let's get that out into the room. It's not weird if someone expresses interest in you because you all want to be in a relationship. So don't be weird, okay? Someone is expressing interest, that's a good thing. The person who's saying, how do I, how do I prepare for singleness for the rest of my life? If you don't feel called for singleness, then don't settle for that. Just, just diversify your approach. So you're... Ow. So <laughs> what I was thinking was... Can you act it out? So you're, you're going to have to maybe change up some, some like friends, uh, circle friends. Like, what am I trying to say? Friendship circles. <laughs> you, try a rhombus. Okay, so you're... Circles are your <laughs> Yes. I like shapes. So you're, you're going to want to try to just, like, diversify your friend groups. Um, like, try, try online. Like, try, try things that you haven't tried before. If you're, if you're not feeling called to singleness, then don't just go, well, then how do I just settle into this? Diversify and try some new things. And don't get bummed because that's an atmosphere. So actually embrace the season that you're in that you could like, like embrace some things that you can only do in your singleness. Embrace the life that you have. Love the life that you have. If you don't love the life that you have, why would someone want to join it? So love your life and enjoy yourself. And then right when, when, when you're having a great time, someone wants to join your party. But if you're just kind of like giving off desperate vibes, then that that becomes a bit of a problem too. So if you don't feel called to singleness, don't settle for it. Just diversify and love where you're at. Can I just add a check here? If you are trying and it's not working, ask for some feedback. This is a really brave step, but asking someone how you come across or is there something that is unappealing because here's my heart. Express your heart. Not to the person that you just bummed out with, but <laughs> to a good group, group of friends. A friend Dermot. Did you want to answer my question? Yeah. <laughs> Stinker. All right. I don't think Ask. I have virginity, so. <laughs> wow. It's not working. 
No. Okay, so ask for feedback. Maybe you come across aggressive. Maybe you come across aloof. Maybe you come across like you're way too intense. Like just ask, how am I, how are you receiving me? What, is there something that I'm doing that isn't helping me? And then grow, get some skills in there because we're all forming and growing and we all can change. So here's the other thing with that. Let somebody change. If you tried with somebody and they say, hey, I've really worked on this thing. Would you like to do coffee again? Give them a little grace. That not everybody is a 10 out of 10 on their first, second, third date. Okay? Just give them a little space to grow. Yes. And if someone was weird three years ago, but they've changed, let them be different in your own eyes. And don't talk about people that are available to your friends yes. and kind of, can I say, just like, almost like box them out. Like that person's such a loser and we all agree, right? Yeah. And then no one can ever consider this person again. And he or she doesn't know that they've kind of got this black mark over them in a friend group. Just maybe don't do that because we're Christians and we're better than that. So don't, if you've done that, repent. Change your mind and change your behavior and let people change and don't label someone because people do change, especially your young adults. You're changing. You're growing. You're not who you were three, four years ago. So just make room for that. Yeah, that's a lot of answer to one question. Yeah, well, it transitions great into our next question. We want to know, Pastor Lisa, you preached a few weeks ago on community. Um, what role does community play in dating oh my or engagement this is a great marriage. question for me okay so when we were dating we went out in groups of like 50 people and we hung out and it was so awesome because what did i say we were not in groups of 50 or we were in groups of 50 thank you Y'all we are invited not? to our next disagreement. <laughs> okay, so we would hang out in huge groups, and you can relate to people in a social setting without any pressure. And you're like, well, I hate how they talk to somebody, or I hate when they came over to my house that they disrespected my dad, or man, they're really messy, or man, this person is absolute joy bomb in my life. I love being with them. We play games together and it's hilarious. Like get into social settings and community so that you can relate to people without all the pressure of, okay, do you wanna get married? Like just start somewhere that's social and that you can bring yourself to without all the anxiety or the stress or whatever you wanna label it of, this is how I carry myself and this is why I never get past the hello. Just leave that and do it in social settings so that there isn't so much pressure. And when you find somebody, don't eliminate your broader community. It's, it's going to be natural to pair off a bit. But if you pair off completely, then you've, you have put all your eggs in the basket of this relationship needs to work because I've burned the bridges of friendship because I'm just all in on this thing. Everybody's nodding your head because you've all had that friend who's just like, yeah, I found a girlfriend, so peace out. And so what you want to do is just let community be a part of it and stay connected. That's going to be accountability for you. That's also going to be 
if you're changing positively, your, your bros or your girls could tell you that, but they could also be like, you're acting different negatively and you need to trust those friends that haven't burned you thus far. Stay connected that way too. So I think community is a big part of it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to tie two questions in here and there's a bit of a theme, but I also want to draw two separate things out of them. So the first one, my partner wants to have sex. I know we shouldn't. I'm trying to resist. I would marry them if I could, but we don't have the finances. I love them and don't want to break up. What should I do? Second question. <laughs> How do you deal with the no sex concept while in a relationship with someone who doesn't know Jesus like you do? Same answer. Break up. Okay. So we're, we're coming at this from a worldview. The Bible talks about being unequally yoked. It's an agricultural image that is, if you could, if you could try to picture it, uh, maybe a better analogy for our day and age would be like putting diesel in a gasoline engine. It's just not going to work. Unequally yoked, it's just the wrong fuel. Unequally yoked is like putting a donkey and a bull together. It's just, it, it's not going to work. So someone who doesn't love Jesus, how can you connect? What's the most important thing in your life? How can you connect with someone deeply if that's not true for them? And you're like, well, I'm going to like... I'm going to evangelize them or whatever. No, you're not. I wish it worked that way. It doesn't work that way. The Bible says that when you walk with the wise, you grow wise, but a companion of fools comes to ruin. I wish that you called people higher, but it works the other way around. You're going to go lower every time. And that's not just taking the word at face value, although that's enough, but that is 30 years of pastoral experience. It doesn't work. You don't call someone higher. You go lower and usually where no one sees. So it's in the question. The, the partner wants to have sex, and I'm trying to hold on to my convictions, but I don't want to lose them. Okay, so you're already dealing with compromise. You're already dealing with changing the standard of God's word to fit a relationship, hoping that that would somehow result in what? Them wanting Jesus? If I have sex with you, will you become a Christian? Like, that's crazy, okay? So, so the reality is what you're, what you're doing is you're toying with compromise and seeing if you can baptize it and make it work. It's not going to work. So the fact that you're already asking that question, there's a bigger question behind it. Imagine that you're with somebody who loves Jesus more than you that is exploring the call of God. You're embarrassed of what you're asking yourself right now. You're ashamed of what you're asking yourself right now. So swing for the fences and look for that person instead of seeing if you can compromise and make something good happen from something that isn't good. I want to just press a little more into this topic because I think it's something people are wrestling with and trying to figure out. So in a room of this many young adults, there is definitely lots of people who their story is maybe they just became a Christian or uh, they have been a Christian, but they have already slept together with the person they're dating. What, um, what does that look like going forward pursuing purity now that they have chosen that they don't want to do that anymore or um, they don't want to keep slipping into that? How can they walk out? Do they have to break up or is there a path forward for them? 
So everything before Christ is dead. You're a new creation. So God's not holding that against you. I wouldn't hold that against you. We wouldn't hold that against you pastorally. Now that you're in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. So partner with the new. So I would say that in a, in a dating relationship, if, if you're in a relationship where you've been sexually active and now you love Jesus, that means that your, your love for Jesus is going to impact your decisions. You probably, not probably, you should have a conversation. Usually all this stuff just kind of happens hot and heavy and it's like, oops, but you actually just need to talk, say things out loud. Like the stuff that we've done before, we need to draw a line here because we love Jesus and because we, we want to honor God in this relationship and we want his blessing on our relationship now. The sacrifice of that is actually going to be fueled towards a better read. Often sex is an excuse. Like I was saying earlier about where you can, you can use your prayer time as artificial intimacy. Sex is artificial intimacy. Sex is not about love. It's about commitment. It's actually about covenant. And so this culture is throwing around covenantal acts as though it were a handshake or just some recreation. And so what happens is your heart gets bound artificial. Your heart gets bound truly in a, in a superficial way with the most substantial thing that you can do. So if you're, if you're going to love Jesus, you're going to be like, well, I'm going to put Jesus first. And that means we need to draw this line. If he or she doesn't want to draw that line with you, then there's a hard, difficult answer where you're going to have to cry into a bowl of ice cream, but make a decision that I'm going to love Jesus. We talked about this last fall. Jesus said, if you're, if you're going to follow me, you need to hate your mom, your dad, you know, like that whole thing. Not meaning literal hatred, meaning your love for me is going to make it look like hatred. Your discipleship is going to have to look like something. And it's going to be, Jesus, I'm going to take you at your word, and we're not crossing that line because we want your blessing. So have that conversation. If you go there together and say this is what we're doing, then you're going to experience a sanctification in your relationship. You're going to experience cleansing. Your born-again experience is going to be a rebirth in that relationship. And you'll get a, an honest lens of how to view that relationship without sex clouding it. And most people don't realize that sex is just cloud. That's why a lot of people hook up and then, and then take off. Why? Because they, they don't want to admit, but that's all they wanted. They don't want to admit it, but that's all they wanted. So when you take that out, find out if there's any substance in that relationship because of love for Jesus. All right. How do you know if you are being too picky or if you have high standards when looking for someone to date? Oh, the list is too long. Okay, so too picky is about looks, appearance, things that are attributes that can be changed. So haircuts fashion, shoes, um, even conversation, okay? Conversation will mold and change and uh, growth will happen in you at this age. So I have asked people what's on your list and it's stupid things like hockey hair would be nice. <laughs> and when they go bald, is it done? Like actually think character, integrity, th 
Things that actually matter. Are they a hard worker? Do they tell the truth? Do they see you as made in the image of God? Do they, have they got their stuff together? Do they know how to work their finances? Do they love their parents? Are they respectful? The things that actually matter should be on your list. Everything else is negotiable, okay? You love Jesus first, so they should, or more than you. That would be awesome. Everything underneath there should be about their character and their values. That is my opinion because everything is open to change. If you got married, okay, I will tell you this. I had a friend who married a really beautiful girl. And after they got married, a year into it, he said, biggest regret, they're a lot of work. Because of the vanity, he wanted to be with this hot girl. Okay? He didn't realize how much work was going to have to go into. This is the most important thing in our world, except for I really value Jesus and would go anywhere on the planet that he told me to and had to start to mold into two different worlds. They're two different systems. Okay, If you value vanity so much that you would make a decision of a life partner based on that, you're in the wrong system of the world. Beauty should come from what God says. That's actually biblical. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. If you're beholding stuff that isn't real or it's vanity or it makes me feel good, that's weird. Fall in love with somebody's soul. Fall in love with their sense of humor. Fall in love with that they tell the truth. Fall in love with the way they talk to you. Fall in love with the way they worship God and are committed to the house of God. Fall in love with the stuff that you can build a life on, not the stuff that'll change. Okay, next question. How much of marriage is compromise? If you have to compromise on everything, does that mean you should not get married? I think compromise exists on two planes. I think there's, there's compromise that is changing the essence of who you are. And then there's compromise that is adjusting preferences. If you're not willing to adjust preferences, you're not ready for a relationship, let alone marriage. But compromise of essence, like, you know, this person doesn't love Jesus and they want me to have sex, but I don't want to lose them. Like, you're, you're, you're already losing yourself. You might not lose them, but you'll lose yourself. So I think, I think the issue is learning to compromise on, on little, like little things, little things that are just, they are just preferences. And if you can learn to admit that your preferences aren't um, ironclad and that the angels in heaven are on your side about it, then you could actually just grow as a person and realize, you know, there's another way of whatever, folding towels or something stupid. Like there's just, it's just stupid stuff that people can get hooked up on. So... How do I know that they're the one? There could be better the ones out there, no? (laughs) Okay, so how do you know they're the one? So I think the concept of the one is a lot of analysis paralysis for a lot of particularly Christian young adults. Because you're waiting for a word from God, a lightning bolt, a radiant face, 
something that is, you know, 12 prophetic words, all of this stuff that's just like unnecessary and I don't even think in the heart of God for you. I, I think the reality is, is that um, where there is congruency, where there is, um, you know, life direction, you know, heart for God, passion for his house, the things that really matter, like Lisa was talking about, when those things are in line, then it becomes a decision of, so we can make a go of this. The idea, but what if there's something better out there is actually a really selfish idea. Because what that means is, I'm so freaking amazing. What if I waste it all on this person? That's actually what you're saying. So maybe just get over yourself and realize that someone loves you and you love them. What more are you looking for? Um, and so making that, making that commitment without this idea that there is some, some, the one that is supposed to be illuminated, I think just, yeah, just getting over yourself and doing the, the work of a relationship. Yeah. Important to, in context, understand that love, like at the beginning of creation, Adam was alone and he received Eve. Okay? He didn't have other options. He chose to love her. Could you okay? imagine? He's the like, is there anyone else? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That would be wild. I want to return. Okay. What I'm saying is this idea that it's got to be this one person and all the pressure that you add, that's so North American. Like for generations and generations, families were like, you know what? I really like how that family works. You'll have a great future. How about you marry their son? And you know what that does? That's difficult. You know what love is? It's difficult choices of I will choose to love you over and over and over and over again. It's not this North American romance. Woo, you give me butterflies for the rest of my life. That's not how it works. So don't try to not just see North America. Try to see biblically of what is actually love? And can I be congruent with somebody like that? Yes, you can. Okay. How many more questions do you think we have time for? I don't know. Maybe. It's quarter after nine. How, how many more do you guys want to do? <laughs> ten more questions? Okay, ten questions. Bullet round. All right. Uh, sex without marriage is a sin. So, within marriage, are there any boundaries or is it up to the couple now that they have been blessed to explore intimacy together? All right. So, I would say that um, sex is about expressing love and intimacy to another person. It's not about pleasuring yourself. And so, a lot of activity in a pornified culture that has normalized a lot of bizarre activity has reduced a sex partner to basically a, it's, it's almost like, it, it's almost like masturbating with another person. It's so self-focused. And so I think when that gets dragged into a, a marital context, I just think that that's, it, it, it's coming at it from the wrong perspective. So I think, I think, the conversation of expressing love and intimacy that is respectful, dignified. I like the idea 
uh, I think it was Jordan Peterson that said, you should not do anything sexually with somebody that you couldn't say out loud. And so I think as a husband and wife, if it's like too embarrassing to talk about, like you probably are crossing lines of dignity. So make sure it's about loving one another and not just about trying something weird because you heard about it. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of questions about staying pure before marriage. Now, one of them says this. Is sleeping together in the same bed, even if you're not having sex, wrong before marriage? And so you can answer that question, but I think a great follow-up question to that is you can fill in the blank of whatever is blank okay before marriage. And there's a lot of things you can fill that blank with it in. So what is a good guideline when you're going through those things and something else comes up and say, is this okay? What's a good rule that you can follow? Okay. Let me just jump in on this. I think, I think it's, it's a question of trying to see where the line is as opposed to trying to see how can I honor God in this relationship. If I would ask the question this way, if, is it okay before marriage to sleep in the same bed? Would it be okay after if it wasn't your spouse? Like we're not doing anything. Like you're, you're really trying to find some weird line. And so I, I think that that is, that, that, that is a question of honoring the other person. I think it's a question of accountability. If there was a couple in this room that was like, yeah, I slept over last night. We just snuggled in the same bed, but we didn't have sex. I would say the only reason that I would believe you is because I would want to believe you. There's nothing believable about what you're saying. End of story. Accountability is actually having someone else available to give an account of your action. So if you're unaccountable and you're just saying, well, just trust us. Well, why would I trust you? That's If you got good at that in dating, you got good at sleeping in the same bed but not doing anything, you're going to have a weird marriage. You don't want to get good at that. So, so the boundary pushing, the boundary pushing behavior is just, it's a question of lacking accountability and demanding that people trust you only because you say so. That's not how trust is built. People don't trust you just because you say so. And if you insist on that, you're immature. You actually have to recognize you're responsible, not just for your actions, but for the perception your action creates. So if you walk out of an apartment or a hotel room the next morning and someone sees you like, oh, don't worry, we just cuddled. I'll just tell you, no one believes you. And if someone does, it's your mom and she just wants to. So be accountable. I think as far as boundaries in relationships where you're talking, can I do this? Can I do this? Again, where you're looking for the boundaries to be pushed for convenience or for gratification, you have to be biblical, guys. <laughs> there is preferring one another because of the love of Jesus in you. And if you are pushing somebody's buttons too far, that's not helpful. You are literally leading them into temptation which we're actually supposed to pray about every day. Lead me not. But the person that loves you the most is leading you there all the time. That's incongruent. Again, 
check check your belief systems because is this person just tagging along and they really don't get it, okay? It's important for there to be a getting it. There are levels of um, contact, we'll use that as a word, that some people can handle and some absolutely can't. Like motor is in drive and they're going 100 miles down the road already and it was just a kiss, okay? You have to be able to honor that person. Honor them with every part of you. So what you partake in, what you are doing alone. If you are sitting in a dark room watching a movie and you wonder why every time you mess up, well, duh. It's not hard. You shouldn't be laying down watching a movie. You're, you're asking for it. Okay, so put in some boundaries that make you honor somebody and work with it because you're working with the image of God. Okay, here's what I'm always going to say. Leave a relationship better than you left it. So if Bobby and Susie are dating and they break up and Bobby starts dating Susie's friend, Vanessa, Vanessa better be okay with hearing the stories about how they treated each other. Okay, that will happen in this room. So don't do something to somebody physically that you can't get back in your reputation. Okay? They're made in the image of God. Treat them as such. Just one more on that, just while you said that, because that's a great perspective is, like, so imagine your godly girlfriend that you're thinking, yeah, we, we might be moving towards something, says, oh, there's my old boyfriend. We used to sleep together, but not like you think. We just snuggled. If that sounds far-fetched and like something to overcome, there's your answer. You're only trying to make it believable because you guys want to do that right now. It's not believable if you were hearing it in another context. So just, yeah, rethink it. Good. Two or three more? Does that feel like a good number? Okay. Sounds great. Uh, okay. How do you determine if you'd be a good married couple without having too many intimate conversations too soon? I think, um, I think that sounds like someone who thinks of marriage as this completely other than out-of-body experience. I... Why don't you tell us what you really think? Well, because I, because <laughs> I, I think sometimes that's the fear in this room of exploring a relationship and think about marriage is it's this totally other you that is mature and ready and knows how to pay bills and do things like your mom and dad did. Like it's it's like you're thinking of some other version of yourself, and so I think you're you're trying. How do I know if I'm ready for marriage? Like it's this total other world, and the reality is is that if you're in a relationship, you love each other, you love Jesus, there's, you know, the people in your life who have wisdom and counsel are co-signing, saying that this relationship looks good, families get along good, then you would have reason to believe you're going to do well in marriage. It's not some other version of you on another planet. It's you with that person sharing life together in covenant without a escape clause. We're in this. And so I just, I think if... If your relationship is, you're working through conflict well and all those things now, you could totally anticipate that you could project that into the context of marriage. 
All right, we're gonna pivot ever so, ever so slightly, and then we're gonna pivot back in. We're going to talk a little bit about relationships with parents. Um, and the question is, how do you help a parent cultivate a relationship with Jesus when they are strong non-believers? Okay. Um, you can set an example, but you can't cultivate for somebody. I think that would be an important thing to tuck away in your heart because you're feeling a pressure and a weight that's not yours to carry. That's the Holy Spirit's job. So your job in helping your parent is to live the image of God the best that you can and to be a representation of his love and his mercy and his grace to them. Um, being a person of character, but the heavy weight of I need to bring them to Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit's job. So get prayerful agreement um, and pray for them with people because that will help like be a place of accountability and burden that is carried in community. Um, but I think that that would be really important not to see yourself as a Messiah. Uh, that can be a heavy complex to carry around that I have to save my parents. And if I mess up, it's because of me that they didn't find Jesus. That's, that's just not the heart of Jesus. Yeah, that's really good. We're going to pivot back in. That question felt important. Um, can we do two more? Okay. Uh, okay. Second last question, how can the men and women of the church know when they are ready to be a good husband or wife? I feel like that's similar to the question that I, I most recently answered. I, I think, again, it's not some other version of you um, that suddenly, like when you get married, like when Lisa and I got married, it was like, well, now I'm a husband, now she's a wife. And this is what it looks like. So, so it's 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 you. It, it's you as a married person. So, um, how can you know that you're ready? I think is really exploring the concepts of, um, you know, selfishness and um, a willingness to um, follow the the biblical model that Paul, that Paul talks about. That um, husbands need to lay their lives down for their wives. And, uh, you know, do what they can to, to promote the growth and the advancement of what God wants to do in their wife. And conversely, what the Bible calls a wife to do is submit to the, the, the vision and leadership of her husband. I know that's a hot take in 2024. Bottom line is, if a man is loving his wife the way that Jesus loves the church, he's easy to submit to. And if a woman is submitting to her husband the way that um, that the church submits to Christ, then she's an easy woman to love. So, so there's there's this call of personal responsibility. It's not how do I know if she's ready to be my wife? Because again, I'm making myself really important, and she better measure up for me. It's am I ready? And you know, do, doing the work of of purging your heart of selfishness. 
I'm gonna bang this drum one more time. You're looking for character, values, things that don't change or can change, but should be solidified, okay? You're not looking for attributes and somebody is going to change with your influence and your uh, being around them, okay? Ever be with somebody that's just your friend and all of a sudden you're doing mannerisms like them? It happens, okay? It's going to happen in relationships. So being ready is actually a heart position of, I want to bring myself into a place where I prefer somebody else and I want to give myself to loving them selflessly for the rest of my life. That is the call. It's not this hot babe looks good on my arm and we're going to win some trophies when we walk in a room. That, that's not real life, okay? So I think being ready is about your interior world being lined up, knowing that that person is going to change and grow with you. I'm not the same person that Matt married. Well, I am, but <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Okay, that's good, because that's all that matters. All right. So the last question we want to end off with is there's often right now a very negative narrative around marriage, whether that's seeing a lot of broken marriages and difficult marriages or people just trying to comfort people that are single saying, oh, you know, marriage is very hard. You got to be prepared. You guys have been married for 30 years, so we are trusting that you know a lot about marriage. Can you paint us briefly a picture of what there is to look forward to a marriage and what God's goodness looks like in that? Yeah, great question. So I, I think the idea that there's difficulty in marriage or whatever, um, you can say that really about anything in life. It's, it's like, you know, Levi loves to play the guitar, um, but there's difficulty in learning, you know, new techniques and all that stuff or what, like anything that is worth having is going to have some challenge in it. Emphasizing the sacrifices or, or any pain in it is just, that's a negative lens. So I think, um, I think that some of the, the negativity that comes around marriage ultimately comes down to what the drum that Lisa's been banging is character issue stuff that I think if you determine to be a person of character and you marry someone that is a person of character, you can anticipate a lot of joy, a lot of happiness, and a lot of growth in your life. There will be difficulty uh, in the vows that you make are for better, for worse, richer, poor, sickness, and in health. Uh, I think that the vow that you're really making is so far as it depends on me. I'm not going to make it worse, right? It's not for better or for worse. Like, hey, you're stuck with me, and so I'm going to do something stupid. Ha, 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 you're in a covenant. It's, it's about being a person that, that so far as it depends on me, I want to make your life better. So far as it depends upon me, I want to enrich your life. So far as it depends on me, I want to be a blessing to you. And I think that's a mindset to carry forward into, into marriage and into a relationship that I just, I really want to make your life better for having shared it with me. That's, that's the goal. If that's your goal, then you're, you're coming at marriage uh, cherishing it. You're coming at marriage cherishing the relationship, caring for, uh, you know, caring for your, I'll just say as a husband, caring for your wife's heart, caring for her dreams, her desires, and understanding that, that the, 
the for better or the for worse. The, let the worst be, things be external. Let those things be circumstantial, things that you don't have control over. Don't bring the worst into your marriage. And so I, I think that some of the negativity is where character has lapsed and people do dumb things. There's pain with that. So life's too short to make all the mistakes yourself. Watch and learn. Don't be that person, right? And, and really look at, at choosing character in how you're moving forward in relationship. And then seriously, anticipate joy, anticipate laughter, uh, keep dating, keep having fun. I think, you know, one of the benefits of getting married young is I just think you end up staying, uh, you, you grow up together. You end up like just, you stay young in your head, I think, because you're just in denial. No, because you're, <laughs> because, because you're, you're just, you, you have, you've bonded without being stuck in like, just stuck in your ways about stupid things that are just not worth getting all uptight about. So, I don't know, that's my thought. Yeah, I would say marriage is going to be really hard if you're trying to enter a selfless place being selfish. It's very hard to carry me, myself, and I when you're supposed to prefer one another. Okay? It's biblical, godly, I prefer you, love is patient, love is kind, love is not boastful, it's not rude, it's not jealous, it's all the things that it's supposed to be. Love is different than what it looks like on a screen or that maybe you've even encountered in a home setting. It's not violent, it's not selfish, it's not me, my needs, and nobody else's. It literally is a team working together. We are loving Jesus, loving what we're building, and moving ahead in agreement and you have to be able to bring joy into that. If you are somebody that needs a lot of attention and a lot of feedback and like it's all about you and your needs, marriage will be hard. It will be because you're actually there to help one another, okay? Adam, yes, Eve was brought to him, but they're both called helpmates, okay? So the fact that Eve came along wasn't just to help Adam through life. That is not how it goes. You help each other. So bring joy. Bring your best game. If I brought all my worst to Matt, I don't know how he would be loving life. And then in return, I think you would be thinking, I'm just speaking as a wife, I, I wonder how he's surviving this. Like, I don't even know if you'd enjoy yourself if you don't bring your whole game into it and make a place that's fun and joyful and God-centered. I don't know if you'd even like yourself. So that's my answer. Awesome. Thanks again to our sponsor. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for participating tonight and, uh, and putting some questions in there. And again, coming from that perspective of really wanting to honor God in relationship, wherever you are on the relationship spectrum, okay, there was one person in this room that was saying, I don't want to get married. So understand that at this stage of your life, you have to bring some of the fences down and be more approachable and not read way into things. You're not giving your heart away to grab coffee. Um, you know, just, just let some of those exploratory things become more common and normal without making it a great big deal. And I think what you'll find is there's a lot of people that Lisa was describing, just the people of character who love Jesus, that you could explore something and see, you know, 
what God might do. All right? So let us pray for you, and then we will dismiss. So, Father, we just thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this room. I thank you, Lord, for a room filled with young adults who love you, who love your presence, who love your word. Lord, who want to honor you in the spirit of holiness. God, who want to be people of covenant. Lord, who in this room have said, I'm looking for that kind of relationship. God, I pray that you would help us in this room, Lord, just to bring down artificial walls and, and barriers and help us, Lord, to um, have the walls of character and the, the foundation, Lord, of, of godliness. And that, Lord, from that place, there would just be a great uh, community of friendship and that, Lord, whatever friendships in this room are meant to grow into something more, we just bless that and pray that, Lord, you would just uh, help each one, Lord, those that are in relationships, Lord, help them to stay the course in purity. Those that, Lord, are just coming out of relationship, heal broken hearts. Lord, those that are longing for a relationship and it feels like it's just not coming, I pray, Lord, that you would help them to love their life, find purpose in what they're doing, and that, Lord, you would, in your perfect timing, just grace them, Lord, with, uh, Lord, just the, the next steps towards what you have for them. Father, I pray your covering and protection and peace. And, Lord, in the ongoing, never-ending assault against purity that this generation faces. I'm asking for the help of the Holy Spirit. That's who you said you are, Holy Spirit. You're the helper. And so we ask you for help. Help us when we're alone. Help us on our phones and our laptops. Help us, God, in, in what we scroll. Help us, God, in the conversations that we have. Help us in what we're entertained by. Help us, Lord, in in expressing love and intimacy. Let us find the character of Jesus in all of those places. And by your spirit, would you help us, Lord, to shine in this world with the love that only you can bring. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great rest of the night. Thanks for listening to the Lakemount Young Adults Podcast. For more information, please visit us at lakemount.ca or follow us on Instagram at lakemountya. Have an amazing week and we hope to see you soon.